Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Thanks for listening to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. In the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers, and advocates. Drawing content from our past two seasons of episodes, we are offering a series of mini-lessons on important topics relating to positive early adolescent development and effective middle-level education. This mini-lesson is about out-of-school time. Welcome to Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. There's more and more evidence and data that really show that positive youth development and social emotional learning are critical to the infrastructure of academic learning. So you can't have one without the other. And I truly hope that this is going to be mean more partnerships. You know, not that we can't do academics in after school, but we do them a very different way. As I said, like when I wrote a newspaper with my kids instead of, um, you know, doing traditional English. And, um, and not that you can't have social emotional learning in school, but that we should be looking, in my vision, to an ecosystem throughout our entire community of the, how we help our kids learn. And that involves after school, involves school, it involves parents, it involves for youth, it can be internships, apprenticeships, um, career tech ed, but a whole ecosystem that really looks at the whole child. When looking at the adolescent years, there's often an emphasis on in-school academics. But a huge part of student growth also involves what happens outside of school. You just heard from Jody Grant, executive director of the After School Alliance, the nation's preeminent advocacy organization for after-school programming. With research focusing on expanding these programs, Jody sees out-of-school time as a pivotal moment for young adolescents, especially in fostering holistic growth. I think when I started 15 years ago, there was pretty much a knee-jerk reaction that after-school programs were a good thing, but it was just a place for kids to hang out and be safe. And, you know, a place for kids to hang out, be safe, get a meal, not a bad thing, but so much more is going on today. You know, there are sophisticated curriculum that are going on to focus on, you know, academics, social emotional learning. You know, there's a report that just came out from the Search Institute that talks about the importance of developmental relationships, which is key, particularly for trauma-informed care, for positive youth development. And they found that of all the arenas, the biggest self-reported from kids on development relationships, positive relationships, um, were happening in the after-school space. So getting out the information that, you know, in this world that we live in today, um, kids spend 80% of their waking hours outside of school. What happens in the after-school programs are absolutely essential and necessary for preparing them for the world that they're going to face in the workforce of tomorrow. So how has after-school programming evolved over the years? Partnerships in particular have become a unique way for educators to bridge the gap between in-school and out-of-school learning. 
Elizabeth Michi, Managing Director at Citizen Schools, a Boston-based nonprofit that offers middle school-age youth a variety of hands-on, real-world, and project-based learning opportunities, explains how they've gone about matching teachers with community members to enhance the educational experience. And so what we try to do when we engage with our various communities is really get to know them and know the work that they're already doing and figure out how we can kind of enhance and support that work rather than saying, you know, we have like a new way of doing things that we want you to apply. And so our training is pretty individualized. Teachers work with us for 10 weeks and they choose a project that they're interested in working on. We started with STEM teachers. So projects like kinetic sculpture or climate science or a thermal energy unit. And these units tend to align with the standards that those teachers either are teaching or have just taught or will be teaching. And they do this project as sort of an enrichment to the curriculum, that the base curriculum that they've already worked through or will work through that year with students. And we spend the first four to five weeks of the training actually working with teachers to understand the structures of the projects, how they were designed, to learn more about the teachers and their classroom profile, and to understand what their goals are and what the culture of their class is like. And of course, as in keeping with the Grand Citizen School traditions, we match them with citizens, with career mentors who come from fields relevant to the project. So we ask our teachers, it's a thermal energy project. Do you want someone who, you know, works on rockets, who who actually does this in their sort of day-to-day work environment. We've brought in marketers from companies who can, digital marketers who can teach students how to really enhance their final projects and make them more professional and understand what careers outside the sciences look like. And our teachers will give us a variety of parameters. You know, I want a, a professional who speaks Spanish. I want somebody who, if possible, struggled in middle school and can talk to students about what struggling in middle school is like. Um, so we do all this preparation and then our coaches work with the teacher all the way through the five or six weeks of implementation of the project. And they help them personalize the materials to their own classroom's needs, A lot of our courses that they're essentially taking, these 10-week courses, revolve around different strategies that have to do with things like adapting for a variety of learner profiles in one classroom, getting community involved in, in the project. And we're also, you know, we work really closely with school leadership and the folks who sort of impact decisions teachers need to make around what they're going to do with their curriculum to sort of ask you know, what sort of space is being made in the day? What kind of runway are you giving them structurally to be able to do this and not make it feel like they're sort of constantly, you know, rolling the rock uphill? Because in order for that work to be sustainable, it's about something more than just the teachers, you know, changing their pedagogical practice or adjusting it. It also comes with making sure that the environment is healthy for that and ripe for that kind of work. Part of this process, as Elizabeth mentions, is regularly checking in with students at a time where many of them are just starting to figure out who they are. Being able to adapt and change in this process is an essential part of the structure of after-school programs. Yasha Rusunaguko is the former Director of Program Operations at Higher Achievement, a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit serving middle school-aged youth in the out-of-school time space through a blend of academic tutoring social-emotional learning, and mentoring. 
Yasha details what the process can look like for their educators to understand and meet their students' needs. So, for instance, the learning director there, Ms. Shavante, might notice that on Wednesdays where she has, let's say, mentoring and other components of programming are the days that those scholars that are involved in other activities have like practice or games or something like that, right? So like scholar participation is is low on those days because they have their other programs that they're involved in as well. So just simply looking at Salesforce, which is a database that we use, she could switch her schedule accordingly to make sure that more scholars are receiving the program accordingly on time and at a higher dosage, as well as the real-time report card data that we get to put in each semester, we can see if scholars are growing or if they're declining. So how can we as a center either put in additional supports, whether that's additional supplemental work, how can we advocate for them or get additional help in for them so that they are receiving that additional help as well. And then another really great thing that happened since the pandemic, I think the summer before we started it, we started doing individual family meetings where we were able to sit down with scholars and families on an individual basis, check in and see what their goals are for their scholar, what the scholar's goals are, what they want for themselves, how they feel like they're performing academically, socially and emotionally, how we can support them better. And all of this lives in Salesforce. So now this is information we can give to their mentor, to whoever their literacy tutor or anyone is, so that everyone is on the same page for this scholar, so that we are challenging them, encouraging them and pushing them accordingly so that they can be their absolute best and checking in with them authentically. Because I think oftentimes our scholars have like these checklists of things that they're supposed to, you know, knock off. Like I'm a student, I need to get good grades and I need to, you know, be on my best behavior. Great. But what do you want to be outside of that? Like you want to be an architect. So like, what do we know about that? Like, how can we get you there? Who can we connect you with? But knowing that someone is there in their corner that they can see weekly that is interested and willing to put them in places or say their names in places that oftentimes they would have never had access to, that's that opportunity gap right there, right? Like, so now we have someone who's in a place that could provide or advocate on behalf of another scholar or something like that to give them that exposure to see if this is something that they really want to do and tell them more about as a whole. So definitely having um, Salesforce allows us to get that raw data of like looking at grades, looking at attendance, looking at participation, but also that SEL component of goals for the scholar, how they plan to achieve, and how we can support them all around as well. In research and in practice, out-of-school time programs are a fundamental building block to the project of remaking the middle school years as an empowering and transformative time and space for young adolescents. For more resources on out-of-school time and early adolescence, check out the content available on the Remaking Middle School website at remakingmiddleschool.org.